operators. Parked up in the garage. Wow. This has been coming for a long time. These two do not like each other. There are two parts of the story as always. Red flag, this is a suspended uh, race. Hi there, this is the Parked Up Podcast. We're powered by Race Fuels. My name is Graham Rowley, and of course, I'm joined by Tony Dalberto, my ever-reliable co-driver on this fabulous podcast. Tony, how are you? Tony? Tony? Oh, that's right. Tony isn't here. Tony decided he was far too busy getting ready being professional race driver ahead of the high-tech oils Bathurst 6 hour this weekend. Of course, he'll be driving in the super cheap auto TCR Australia series, trying to defend his lead in the series. He's got a huge two-point gap over Jordan Cox, and he'll also be driving in the six hour. So to replace Tony D, I brought in two of my all-time favorites. I've got Richard Crail and Mark Walker. From that filthy rival podcast, The Race Talk, <laughs> Richard Grail, Mark Walker, how are you boys? Hello, Grant. Nice of us to be here with you, I think, Mark. It is. This is weird, isn't it? A bit of, bit of on the grid parked up. I it's like such it. a shame that Tony wasn't here to make it a genuine crossover. <laughs> the crossover event of the century. We've got nothing on the Avengers. This is the... Uh, the crossover nobody asked for. Can't we just fill a shirt with some pillows or something? Like we just have a little dummy over there, weekend at Bernie style. I've got 110 episodes that I'm sure I could have clipped out little bits mm. for him to just interject. But you know what? It's going to be hard enough for me to lay down this recording that I've got. We've got one room, three microphones. Mm. I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, I earn my living from creating content, but... I've got no idea with this stuff. Anyway, boys, thank you very much for joining us. Of course, we've got a huge race weekend coming up here at Bathurst. We are actually in the Ridges. We're not sponsored by Ridges, but if they do want to offer us a free room, maybe for like the 1,000 or something, yeah. I reckon we could find use for that. But we're at the Ridges at uh, the Chase. Yep. And Richard, you're going to be the lead caller for the race. You're the media manager for the race. You know everything about this race. But it's not this race that I want to talk to you about. Okay. Let's just rewind the clock about, what, four days, five days, three days? It depends on when you finally finish cutting all this together, I suppose. Uh, This is going out on Thursday before the six hour. But you were the lead caller for for Network 10's Formula One broadcast. You called the cars off the start of your home race. Well, it's at the Melbourne race. It wasn't. You'd call that your home race, the Adelaide Grand Prix, right? Yeah, correct. But it's close enough. Uh, what was? Tell us about that experience. Uh, oh, look, it was it was great. It's the stuff that I dreamed of as a kid, quite literally dreamed of as a kid. Um, some kids dream about being racing car drivers. Um, fat little kid like me dreamed of being a commentator because a racing car driver took much more ability. So... Uh, yeah, look, I grew up in Adelaide with the Grand Prix and, and like so many of our colleagues, the, the brothers Jordan and, and many others that, that you and I have worked with over the years, Grant, that they all grew up with the race in Adelaide and became Formula One fans because of it and pretty hardcore Formula One fans as well. I'm seriously passionate about it. And um, yeah, for a commentator, you want to call a Grand Prix. It's like a driver wants to race in Formula One. It's the pinnacle. So to have that opportunity and to do it for network TV and an Aussie audience for such an important race, because I think it really was an, an important race given everything that we've experienced over the last two years and the way the last Australian Grand Prix ended in Melbourne. Um, yeah, it was amazing. It was an incredible, incredible experience of 
that of ticking a box that I've wanted to tick for a long time. I don't know where the hell I go from here because I feel like I've peaked. <laughs> no, but you, uh, you it was that was awesome. It was genuinely a great experience. Can we, Grant? Let's exclude him from the conversation. But we've got such good quality callers in Australia: Richard Crail, Chad Nolan, Matt Nolte. These guys, you could slot them in overseas. And they do just fine. You look at the Aussie callers who've gone overseas and done very well for themselves. These guys that we've got here doing our supercars and other broadcasts like this weekend mm-hmm. are every bit as good as what we've got overseas. Look out, Lee Diffie, then. Yeah, well, I think, to Mark's point, I absolutely agree. Yeah, we want we want to get rid of you is what I'm trying no, to say. But, well, yeah, sure. But I think for that point, you could have pulled me out of that broadcast. And so... The last time I was at 10 in 2018, Matt White called it. And Matt and I will work together this weekend on the, the Speed Series broadcast on Stan Sports at Mount Panorama. Um, Greg Rust has called it for Channel 10. Um, you could have replaced me very, very easily with Chad Nalon or Matt Nolte. No problems whatsoever. They could have done exactly the same job, possibly better. But, uh, yeah, look, I think that I think Australia punches above its weight in broadcasting talent. Both, both in front of and behind the microphone, but behind the scenes as well. And That's you, right. you only look at the standard of the telecast that we produce here. But this goes back to, and talking about the history of the Grand Prix, this goes back to the Channel 9 days at Adelaide, that every year it would be ubiquitous that they would win the best coverage award because the Australian Grand Prix coverage was the best. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it stems from that. but. Yeah, it's oh, we've got an amazing group of broadcasters here. It's, yeah, it's incredible. It, it does. It does make me think that yes, we do. Everything that you guys have said is true. Does it help that the broadcast, that the quality of the broadcast that we have, and those guys who run it behind the scenes, whether it is at the very top level with supercars that uh, has been mm. soon won't be led by Nathan Prendergast, but mm. even even your your AVEs, even your Blendline TVs who yep. do a lot of state stuff. You know, they, those guys, for what they have, yeah. punch above their weight. And I know you would have uh, done some level of calling yeah. for both of those guys, yeah, you know, yeah. as you built your way up. So uh, is it the fact that we do take so much pride so much, and, and put so much effort for the best possible outcome in, in that end result broadcast? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I think there's opportunity as well because we've got so much motorsport. So if you're... A, if you're a young bloke wanting to do commentary now, the best thing you could do would be to pick up the phone and ring Daniel Beckinsale and say, get me on some Blendline TV and have a crack. And that would be the best way into it. Mark and I both started our careers doing community TV. I did radio first. Um, Mark did a show on, on Channel 31 Brisbane. I was on 31 Adelaide. Um, and that directly influenced my career progression from a commentary side of things. And yeah, I just, just go out and do it, have a crack, ring people up. But there's so much, there is opportunity out there. If you're willing to go and chase it and work um, for not much money, work for free, uh, but you've got to do that. Like we all started our journalistic careers working for free, like, or working for motorsport news, which was as good as working for free, but it was great. It was, <laughs> it was a fantastic experience and you build your contacts and your, your relationships and your skills. You know, you mentioned Blendline. Obviously, yeah, we did Channel 31 and it was so much different back in the day. Things were so much harder. You didn't have digital cameras. You were recording to tape and life was just so much difficult. Here they're banging out these broadcasts for a state championship, which is what 
AVE would have done for a Shannon's Nationals not many years ago. Years ago. The quality is amazing. It's so, and the winners, punters at home, who, okay, you don't want to go to Winton or Sandown or Phillip Island or whatever else they do around the country. You can get these really good broadcasts and we've seen some good callers go through there and there's really good racing too. So I think everyone's a bit of a winner out of it. Cool. Okay, well, uh, we've inspired the next generation of callers. Hopefully, they don't take too much of your job, Richard, <laughs> at the moment, because you just you 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 continue to climb the ladder, and now we're trying to get other people yeah. to come and swoop in on you. Uh, uh, you did a fantastic job. Thank you. I actually have no idea because I can't find it. I yeah, can't no. listen to it. The and unique the... world of Formula One digital rights makes it a challenge to find the domestic broadcasts. I'm sure you'll it exists. Fi- you'll find it, and and you will uh, you will show me. But uh, the one question I did ask you before you went on air before you did it was how are you going to start the call? Yep. And did you have it pre-planned? Yep. How, what what was your call on 10? I did. I normally don't plan that stuff, but I've, people who have watched Formula One in Australia, for the most part, have watched it on Fox and KO, right? And they take the Sky Sports F1 feed. And if you get the Sky Sports F1 feed, you get Crofty. And Crofty starts every Grand Prix the same way. It lights out and away we go. And that's become his signature, but it's also become a signature of Formula One because that's the world feed. That's the broadcast that most of the English-speaking world takes, including the US. So I wouldn't normally put much thought into how I start a race. You just, I just like calling stuff naturally. You can over-prepare. But I put thought into that one because I did not want to say the words lights out and away we go because I felt like that would be taking the absolute piss out of Crofty. And out of respect, I didn't want to do that, but I wanted to be do something different. I, I, the race for the, for our audience on ten, which was a domestic audience, but it was an audience that probably, for the most part, hadn't watched a Grand Prix in three years because the last time ten showed a race was two thousand and nineteen Australian Grand Prix. So was very much aware of that. So I, I did plan something out, but <laughs> for F one screwed me over because by the time we got to the point of the cars lined up. And I was about to launch into this spiel that I'd planned. The green flag waved and the lights went bang, 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 out. And away they went. So I only, I, th- I honestly don't recall what I said particularly well. Um, if you can find it, drop it in now. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, but I, I feel like we got it right. No one blew up and complained about it. And I didn't say lights out and away we go. So I was happy with that. I, it was something about... It's been 1,120 days since the last time F1 raced here. And, um, you know, through everything we've been through, Formula One is, and the lights went out, and Formula One's back in Melbourne where it belongs, and then away they go. Something like that. I don't and know. after such a uh, amazing weekend, crowds, qualifying was fantastic, uh, plenty of news stories. Um, the race kind of let us down a little <laughs> bit, but that's how motor races go. But just to see that amount of people, you know, and that um, that vision – and the photography of the crowds coming onto the grid at amazing, the end of the race. It? That yeah. was, it was all worth it for that. We, we discussed this on the, on the grid podcast this week that no free plugs. No, there is, um, that Cha-ching! yeah, correct. <laughs> I, I thought powered by Doric. Um, I thought our, uh, <laughs> hi Tom. Um, I thought the, it was a very happy event. And, and for all the stresses of having such an enormous crowd and the lines were enormous and it was expensive and the F-plus systems went down a bit and all of that stuff, 
for the most part, my experience was that everyone did not give a shit about that. And they were so happy just to be there at the Grand Prix soaking it in. And also the quite a lot of new fans that looked like they hadn't been there before and would, would rock up and would be buying the merch and doing all that. So I'd lo- I thought that was such a highlight for mine was just the energy. And the that track invasion at the end was unbelievable that that will be the image of this australian grand prix i think that shot of the start finish straight from turn 14 to turn one absolutely reamed with people that was amazing yeah it was a uh, it, w- it was a great event great to be part of and i'll be proud to uh keep that little program that i stole from one of the corporate boxes in <laughs> nice. uh, in my little souvenir hut uh walker you got to do um probably the most kilometers out of the three of us walking around a great deal of the track to see the atmosphere, feel it, um, taking some great photos. I saw, of course, you uh, claimed a couple of shunt photos as well. You're like the new John Morris of Australian motorsport. But uh, what was it like on the ground at the coalface? What was it like? It was hard work. It was so hard work to get around because there were just there were punters everywhere. And it was the whole way around the track. You know, they bang on that Adelaide had the, still the record crowd. Oh, we're so proud in Adelaide that we've got the record. There's no way known they could have had more people than that. Yeah, come on. Right, no way known. They definitely did. They, no way known. But it was, it was huge. And, and But they were very knowledgeable. Like during qualifying or during the sessions, especially that qualifying session where they're out there, Alonzo setting purple sectors and then shunting, the crowd knew exactly what was going on and what that meant, you know. They, they weren't necessarily behind Lewis, I don't I get the feeling, but uh, Aussie Dan, he was a crowd favourite. They absolutely were all about that. They were about Ferrari going well. There's so many Ferrari fans there. And they were all wearing caps that cost $90. I know. that was They were expensive, weren't they? Holy expensive. cow. Um, okay. Uh, we might even talk about some of the racing real soon in, uh, in this pod. But in the very meantime, while we are here in Bathurst getting ready for a big weekend, at the High Tech Oils Bathurst 6 Hour, we might just have a very quick break here from our sponsors, the great race fuels, not Doric. Sorry, Tom. It's Mark from Race Fuels, who we're going to plug right now. We've also got a, uh, a quick chat with, uh, with Rodney Jane that was followed by Mark Fogarty. Of course, you can listen to Parked Up Plus, which came out uh, this time on Tuesday because I was a little busy <laughs> on the Monday, but uh, usually on Mondays. Um, and folks had a chat with uh, with Rodney Jane. We'll bring that up soon. But first, here's a word from Race Fuels. Racing cars need racing fuel, and Race Fuels is the best, most convenient way to power through your next meeting. Our famous Elf Race 102 is the control fuel of choice for the Touring Car Masters. It's available at the Bowsers, at Sydney Motorsport Park, and the Bend, and it's available in drums at Winton. Imported direct from France. Elf Race 102 is affordable horsepower. For more details, head to racefuels.com.au. And we're back with the Parked Up podcast. Thanks for joining us. No Tony Dalberto. We've got Grant Rowley. We've got Richard Crow. We've got Mark Walker. These blokes run another podcast called uh, The Race Talk. You can listen to that after you listen to Parked Up. If you've got time, you can listen to their podcast. I'll let you. Thank you. It's already been it's already been out for a day, so uh, oh. we'd like to think people have come to it first. Uh, it's got a twenty three year back catalogue, really. It predates the podcast. Correct. Correct. All right, let's talk a little bit about the racing. We have talked a bit about Formula One, but uh, just one quick thing from both you boys: is this uh, Charles Leclerc? Or how do you actually pronounce Charles Leclerc? Charles yeah, Leclerc. Yeah, yeah. Because folks had actually brought that up in 
parked up plus asking is he Charles Leclerc or is he Charles Leclerc uh, but he ended up just calling him Charlie Lequick Charlie Lequick um, is, uh, is he the world champion this year oh no you can't say that not after last season no way um, certainly early favourite and if the, the big question is can Ferrari continue there um, the development race, which is going to be in a battle with Red Bull. The, the big question for mine is, can Mercedes get there, you know what, together? And if they do, and, and the, the people that I was fortunate enough to talk to on the weekend seem to think that that's a very good car looking for uh, a setup tweak and a new floor that will stop the porpoising. And when they get that, it'll be a rocket ship. So it could become a three-way fight with George Russell and Lewis in it as well. Look, Ferrari look great, and everyone rates... Leclerc really, really highly. There's especially, no doubt. Especially the birds. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they do, don't they? <laughs> they were all over that, him. <laughs> he has got a ridiculous fan base, and I reckon more than half a female. It's... I, I saw a pedestrian.tv, and I don't yeah. look at pedestrian.tv. Oh, it's but... in your favourites, I'm <laughs> sure it not. is. Someone had sent it to me, but it, the headline was, your Netflix boyfriend, Charles yeah. Leclerc, won, yeah. has won the Australian Grand Prix. Yeah, between Leclerc and Norris. they they were. I was at... The, nod? You know the, the legends walk, the fan walk as the drivers roll in um, to the paddock. There were girls, teenage girls, screaming for Lando as if that was Justin Bieber. No word of a lie. And he Fan went up going. to he went up to, yeah. He he went up to them and they burst into tears. Like it was rock star stuff. Awesome. And but this is what Netflix has done to these kids. Mm. Twenty four years old. Like mm. Yeah, that brilliant. was amazing. No, that's brilliant. Didn't uh, ask your question. Yeah, sure. Here we go. <laughs> well, I'd, sure. Um, so, Walker, uh, your take, uh, Daniel Ricciardo. It was great to see him uh, score some points, I guess, to start with, but show some some genuine pace and show some genuine improvement, not only from him, but also Lando. They both landed in the points. They've got their season started. It took a couple of races, but they're away. It was a big turnaround, wasn't it? They're in the ballpark now. You know, what happens next? It's That's the turnaround of one event. Is it the track type? Because you look at uh, Saudi Arabia and Alba Park, the tracks aren't that dissimilar in their characteristics. So you can't really say that it's, oh, well, that track suited the cars more than the other. I think they might be here to play. And if you've got more players up there battling it out with these guys, obviously Red Bull will get their uh, reliability together. Without a doubt, they'll sort that out. Mercedes are almost there. It's going to be pretty tasty moving forward. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, the F. I can't believe F one. Maybe just for a few years ran through a dull period, but uh, oh, no she's livened up massively. It's first, first fantastic. four years of the hybrid era were a bit rubbish, yeah. but GC's perked up. I like it. Uh, there was some other racing at the Heineken, no, the Formula One Heineken Australian Grand Prix. There's a couple of registration marks that need to be added in there correct. as well, uh, just to be completely uh, commercially correct. Uh, the Repco Supercars Championship had Shane Van Gisbergen and Chaz Mostert share a couple of wins. Richard, did you actually call Supercars as well? Who got those? Who got that Don't, kick? No, Neil, Neil and Mark. Oh, of course. Yep, World Feed. That's yep. right. On, on Channel 10 as well. Yeah, cool. So yeah, that was the first time that we had super. We've had a championship round of supercars not on the official broadcast. Correct. What was uh, just behind the scenes? Was there any uh, niggle? Was there any chat no, about that? No, no niggle. Uh, I, I, the upper level politics between Fox and supercars, I don't know. But 
from a broadcast point of view, the Channel 10 truck and the supercar truck were next door to each other and there were people running back and forth between them all weekend. Um, and, and David Tunnicliffe, the um, senior producer at Supercars, was, was back and forth to, to 10 all weekend and no great relationship there. And I mean, 10 were the broadcaster of Supercars up until the end of 2020. So there's a relationship there that exists. But it's just a quirk of the way the sports broadcast rights work, that the Grand Prix is a separate entity on its own as a, as an, a sellable item um, for free-to-air. So if, if Channel 10 buy the rights to the Australian Grand Prix free-to-air, they get the whole lot because Formula One owns the supercar broadcast that weekend. It's the only one supercars don't control and own themselves. Formula One own everything that appears on track that weekend. And the broadcaster that buys the rights to the Australian Grand Prix has the rights to do that. So the fact that Seven has a contract with supercars for the rest of the championship means absolutely nothing in Formula One's eyes because it's their product legally. So that's how that works. So no, look, there was no stress. It was strange. Um, it was. I think it was strange from a supercars point of view because if you went on supercars.com and their social media, you'd be hard-pressed to find out that it was live on free-to-air TV. And everything would be about the um, everything would be about the seven replay late at night. So supercars were on Fox and Ko ten live, and then a replay on Channel Seven as well. It's weird. Yeah, it was good. Doesn't matter. Yeah, Ace, numbers, it? Yeah. getting it all out there. Yeah. Um, thing is, I mean, obviously he started the weekend, qualified last for the first race. Mm-hmm. He was looking like he was going to have a bit of a barrier crocker there. Finishes third. Wins next two races yeah. and had a barry in the fourth race. Still won the weekend, extended his points lead. Cop that, everyone else. I think you said it on our pod that isn't it nice that he's done us the service of wrapping up the championship nine races in so we can worry about more important things in life. He's just in such amazing touch, isn't he? He's phenomenal. Yeah, he certainly is in fantastic form. Absolutely no doubt about it. And uh, if... Charles Leclerc is uh, the favourite for uh, Formula One, then Shane Van Gisbergen, they may as well hand that bloke the trophy. Uh, some other racing over the weekend, some of which, Richard, I know you were paying particular attention to. Porsche, Carrera Cup and S5000. I'll let you decide. Which one do we talk about first? Uh, well, I think Carrera Cup is worthy of discussion because 31 cars and the loudest racing cars that weekend. Would you agree? You'd agree with that. Hundred yeah. percent. But there was nothing wrong with the S five thousands. They no, sounded no. grouse around there. They did sound very, very good. Um, but Carrera Cup's amazing. Aaron Love came back for a, for a one off round and broke through for his first ever Carrera Cup round win, which was a huge accomplishment for a young bloke who's going overseas this year. Very, very pleased for him. He's a ripper young guy, and he'll go well in Carrera Cup France and a little bit of Super Cup as well. Um, but outside of that, some pretty rough racing, but some pretty tasty results as well. Um, it was interesting that the way that weekend worked out, I think the new car, from what I can tell, relies on quite aggressive driving to get speed out of it, So, which explains why Luke Gildon was fast, why Max Vidot was fast, why Aaron Love was fast. They're quite aggressive wheelmen in their cars. But over the course of that weekend, the two guys that came through were David Wall and Harry Jones. Neither of them qualified particularly well. But they ended up, Wally was second for the round, Harry fourth, Harry won the last race. Um, Harry Firth, did you say? Was he racing? Harry Firth, oh, Harry right. first in the last race. <laughs> right. Um, 
Yeah, if Harry, Harry Firth is racing a Crow <laughs> Cup car, he's going very well. That was an upset, wasn't yeah, it, really? Wasn't it? Wow. Um, and those guys, just their consistency through the weekend, and that's what wins your Crow Cup championships. It's why David Wall's incredible in Crow Cup. So really, like, two different ways of extracting similar results for mine. Um, Max Sivadeau, the first Crow Cup round winner since 2018 to win a round without winning a race. So he went third, second, third, second in the three uh, four races. So that was really impressive. The Rick Kelly of uh, get, Carrera Yeah, Cup. correct. And, and he should have had a win there. We had one of the yes. races where they swapped positions on the last lap a couple of times, which was pretty cool. Uh, okay, S5000. They Finally, all the cars, yeah. all the chassis that are in the country were on the same track and what a place to do it as well. Walker, as you said, the uh, they, they sounded fantastic. The racing was quite good. It was great. Race one was a beauty wasn't it and they looked good they looked hard you know they looked hard to drive formula one cars they're like slot cars bang away they go nice and easy s5000s those boys had a bit on trying to keep them on the track it was cool to watch yeah uh so joey mawson won two of the three races we had shay davies who won uh won a race there for versa motorsports that's a great story yeah. those bikes yeah toby pope and his team have put together a really good little outfit with uh, Cooper Webster as their main driver, and Shay came on at round two at Phillip Island and took a little bit of time to get up to speed. He's been racing jumpy trucks before S5000, so sublime similar, to the ridiculous. Similar, oh, similar completely things. Same philosophy. A natural pro- career, yeah, progression yeah, categories. It's well known as the ladder system into S5000. Um, great, yeah, great story. Big weekend for Joey from a championship point of view. That's halfway of the Gold Star now. It's a six-round championship, so he's got a very handy lead. Um, James Golding didn't have a super weekend. Tim Macro had a decent weekend, but gave up quite a few points to Joey. So from a title race point of view, that was huge for um, for the Sydney Sider. And Joey's showing his class, boys. He's, he's really shown this year where he's super, super strong. And um, I hope he gets an opportunity in a supercar soon. Saturday afternoon, the big winner of Australian motorsport was Richard Crowell because you had to compensate an extra half hour of Formula One qualifying yeah, yeah. because that just carried yeah. on forever. But then that shafted S5000 because they went up racing in the dark and yeah. got nothing in. Yeah. It's a tough schedule at the Grand Prix. Always tough for support categories. It's, yeah, a, a bit of a shame. A bit of a sh- I noticed that they did switch the because it was meant after F1 quality, it was meant to be the uh, the speed comparison yes but then they moved s5000 yeah. forward but even then it was it was dark it was in the very end. twilight yeah. yeah and uh unfortunately they they didn't all whip down to their local repco or super cheap to put a <laughs> get a couple of headlights to stick on yeah. the front of those things it was it was pretty dark and uh just one incident meant that they uh trundled behind the safety car for the, a while the irony of that the incident was zane goddard who's top 10 finisher in supercars and james davison who's started the indy 500 so it wasn't even two guys at the back of the field carving each other up it was two pretty good steerers getting caught up in each other but that happens but the other two races were good oh, that's the weekend s5000 needed to have oh, yeah. they desperately needed that yeah. um as lots has been written and talked about what happened here in December last year and um, the fact that the grid sizes haven't been where the category wants them to be at the start of the season. But that showed what it can be and hopefully that gives people confidence that if they get behind it, it will grow into that sooner rather than later.
Cool. Uh, the other support category at the Grand Prix was Targa Florio. Richard, tell us about what happened in oh, that. Oh, I paid. I just I watched every second of it, Grant. I'm not going to lie. What a, what a brilliant display. Um, I did. All joke aside, I watched Harry Bates chuck that rally car around in the speed comparison. And that's hilarious. Rally cars on bitumen shouldn't work, but my God, they're hilarious when they do. The, the third, well, the Sunday morning one, they absolutely nailed it. Mm. And it was I was standing there at the finish line. The crowd went bunter. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Cool. Uh, okay. Well, that's enough of that. We did talk a little bit about the Painter Dixon Porsche Carrera Cup. And one of the returning drivers in that championship was Rodney Jane, of course, the CEO of the Bob Jane Team Arts uh, uh, company. And, uh, of course, the son of touring car legend Bob Jane. Rodney's a, a fantastic supporter of Australian motorsport. He grew up in and around the sport. And after a few years off, or over 10 years, he won a couple of Pro-Am titles in Carrera Cup. I think, Richard, you'll agree with me there. Thank you. Uh, he has uh, come back to Carrera Cup for this year to compete in uh, the Pro-Am class. Uh, and our very own Parked Up Plus's main news hound on the ground. Mark Fogarty caught up with him for a quick chat. Rodney, good to have the Jane name back in racing. What's brought you back? Uh, well, it's a, it's a funny story. It started at home around the dining room table and uh, got a car that we didn't have a driver for. And my wife said to me, uh, why, don't you, uh, why don't you drive? That was about two and a half weeks ago. And I said, oh, I don't know if that's a good idea. I've been out of it for about 10 years. And... Anyway, kids were pretty, uh, pretty, pretty enthusiastic about it. I got four kids, and they were all like, "Yeah, Dad, why don't you?" And then uh, it led to a couple of other discussions. And then I rang Mick Ritter on Monday afternoon, and I said, "What do you think, Mick?" And he's, he's like, "Well, you, well, you know, you'd have to test." And it went from there. Did a test in Sydney, at Sydney Motorsport Park that Wednesday, so a day and a half later. And uh, then um, you know that went all right. That went actually pretty well. It was a fully wet day, so I hadn't driven a car for ten years or nine years, something like that. And uh, you know, that ended up going pretty well. And then Mick's like, well, let's do a dry day at uh, Winton next week, which was a week and a half ago. And that, you know, he was pretty happy with the times there. And, you know, I've been with Sonic now for almost 20 years and, you know, sort of Mick's pretty to the point. So, you know, he's like, yeah, I reckon you're fast enough to, to race. Um, you know, it's one thing doing a test day. It's another thing coming back to a race meeting. So, you know, we started off pretty slowly. You know, didn't, we got five, five sort of flying laps in first practice and then we got, like, I think four flying laps in the qualifying qualified last and uh it was 31st and then you know just remembering how to race again you know coming back through sort of you know a bit of attrition and a bit of overtaking you know we got up to i think 23rd on the, or 24th on the first day in the first race and um the way the field works the pros get dropped to the back of the pros so that put me back to 26 for the start of yesterday the second race yesterday so i got back up to i think 23rd again through a bit of attrition and a bit of overtaking so you know it's just learning how to drive again and you know learning remembering racecraft and learning racecraft and getting confidence in the car is the biggest part and how are you enjoying it is it has it been worthwhile do you now want to you know complete this comeback and keep racing yeah look it's it's it really wasn't on my agenda you know like a you know family and business got four kids and you know really they're a massive part of my life and that's why i stopped racing to spend time with them so um, you know, they're older now, they've just wandered up as we're talking and um, 
yeah, look, uh, it, you know, it's something that I want to do. You know, like I, I don't don't think I'm not passionate about. So, you know, when I when I turned my mind to it, I was really enthusiastic about it. My wife says I'm sound more excited than I've been in a long time. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited about it. Um, you know, it's a cautious excitement. You know, it's a big deal to get back out on a racetrack. You know, drive around at the speeds of driving and. You know, one, not wanting to stuff up anyone else's race, you know, by causing accidents and two, not getting involved in other people's accidents. You know, and for me, it's about time in the car and just, you know, learning to drive again and race again. So, yeah, I'm really excited about it. It's, you know, it put a smile on my face. So the first test day when it was raining, we ran on some, you know, some storage tyres and I, you know, I, I sort of came in after the third session and I was pretty sort of Mick was pretty unimpressed and I was sort of pretty unimpressed we were sort of 15 seconds off um, someone else who was driving on the day Courtney in one of the old cup cars and Mick's like looking at me like yeah you've lost the plot anyway then we put some rain tyres on and you know we're 15 seconds quicker and I'm, you couldn't get the smile off my face like you know the car's pretty amazing you know I've, I, you know, I haven't driven a car for nine or ten years let alone to drive one in the wet and have it stick was just you know a phenomenal experience and after the Grand Prix do you have any immediate plans? You know, what's your next event going to be? Uh, whatever the next round is, I, you know, I've got to be honest. I haven't really paid much attention to the schedule. It was like, let's turn up to this race, see how we go, and if you know if that works out well, then you know we'll try and do the season. Um, you know, I've got to have the pace and the ability to race again. So you know, just baby steps. So you know, we'll do the next round if this one goes well, and um, you know, go from there. Well, I've got you here. Yeah. Something that's been bugging me for a long time. The Jane Corporation still owns Calder Park and Adelaide International Raceway, right? Well, no, not the Jane Corporation. Like, uh, you know, it's a complex ownership structure, but, you know, yes, it, we still control them, yeah, as a, as a family. So, um, and I guess the next question is, what are we doing with them? Indeed. What are you going to do with them? Well, you know, I think that count comes down, you know, like it's sort of like, uh, you know, like I was just talking to someone this morning, you know, everyone says that, you know, say, for example, I drive culture in our business. And the real reality to that is, you know, everyone in our business drives culture, right? And motorsport drives motorsport success. And, you know, I think the biggest challenge with Calder and Adelaide is it comes down to who's going to support it, right? And, you know, really to date in the last decade, the only people that have supported Calder and Adelaide have been Andra. Um, you know, they're the only people that have come to us and said, we want to run events there. You know, you get the tracks running, we'll, we'll run events there. Um, you know, CAMS and now Motorsport Australia have been particularly absent, um, you know, and, you know, quite detractive from the tracks in the sense of they've not only haven't they supported us, but they've sort of told a lot of people to stay away from us because, you know, of you know, the history of Bob, I think, you know, they, I keep getting told by people I talk to about supporting Calder, you know, like, oh, well, that's got... No, no, we've been told to stay away from that because... Bob's involvement. I'm like, well, you know, my, my, my dad, you know, he was a, you know, I think people forget he was a, he was a massive influence in motorsport. He's one of the few people in this country that backed himself and backed motorsport. You know, he put his money where his mouth was to the point that he sent his own business broke, um, you know, to get motorsport running. You know, he spent $250 million of his own money getting Calder and Adelaide running and running events there. You know, he brought the Nationals to Australia and, you know, I was heavily involved in that as a, you know, young guy you know, going to America for four years trying to work out how to do it and then bringing it here and running it. And, you know, I think really to get them going, the community's got to support them, you know, like everyone sort of puts it down to me and, you know, that I'm not doing anything and, you know, I can't make call to work without support um, and, you know, it needs a community support, you know, and, you know, you've been around motorsport long enough to know there's a lot of politics, there's a lot of negativity and everyone tells us what we're not doing and how shit we are at this and that and, you know, like I, I just... 
been around it all my life and I'm not that interested in it. You know, if there's enough people that want to use it, we'll, uh, we'll drive it and build it. And if there's not enough people, then, you know, it doesn't make sense. Well, I would have thought, given the way the expansion of Keylor in that area, it's got to be right for redevelopment, hasn't it? Certainly, certainly Calder Park, if not Adelaide International Raceway. No, look, it's not. Look, you know, like I'm not, I wouldn't say, my dad was emotionally passionate about motorsport beyond sort of commercial sense. Um, that's not me, and I guess that's because I had to clean up the mess that came from that. Um, but, you know, I admire him for everything he built and, you know, his, his passion for motorsport. You know, for me, it's got to make commercial sense. You know, they're not cheap venues to own and run. But at the end of the day, you know, I want motorsport to be at them. We've got two tracks, 25 k's from the city. Um, you know, that aren't just, you know, motorsport tracks. They've got great viability as outdoor venues. Um, both of them have got, you know, capabilities to, to, to develop an ecosystem around their uses. And, you know, if enough if enough people support it, um, you know, they've got a great future. And the last, you know, like I, I could have started developing them years ago, but that's not the plan. You know, the plan is to keep motorsport there, but, you know, we need the support of the community of motorsport, you know, at, at, at a national level, state level and community level. And we thank folks for that. Of course, uh, that ended with a little bit of chat about how Rodney is not ready to give up Calder Park or Adelaide International. That, that he wants to hold on to them and he wants the support of community and he wants the support of racing to bring sport back there. What do you boys think? I know the Adelaide International Raceway uh, has to be reasonably close to where you live. Of course, Adelaide isn't a massive yeah, city. So. 25 minutes from home. It's so convenient. So AIR, it's got a, the only paved half mile oval in the country now. So there's a niche market there that could be built on. Calder Park has to come back. So that, and Fogues has been leading the charge when it comes to the news on what's going on at Sandown, right? So that it's got a limited time and there's been talk in recent weeks about new developments and the Victorian government throwing money at a new racetrack. But Calder's there. Mm. It's 10 minutes from Tullamarine. It's on a major freeway. It's easy to get to. There's a train line out the back of it. Yeah, there's two Maccas on either side of the highway. Even like- better. What more? Do you, that, there's breakfast. What more do you need? It it beggars belief that that joint is sitting there not being used, and it wouldn't take an enormous amount. And forget the Thunderdome, but the road course, like it should be having motor racing there week in week out. It could be the busiest racetrack in Australia, especially when Sandown goes away, because in Victoria then you're left, and there's bound to be a gap between any new track being built and Sandown going. Surely because the government can't be that efficient. Um, so you'd be left with Winton two hours up the most boring highway in the world or Phillip Island, which no one can get on because it's always booked or it's too expensive. 100%. We, we drove all the way up past Winton today. And, oh, it's such a grind. It's hard to get punters to come from Melbourne to Winton. It's a three-hour drive. You can't just do it for the, you know, you might do it for one day, but for a big event, you want to go there for a couple of days. Call the parks there. It's ready to roll. The, the spectator banks are huge. You can have the drags there. You can have all sorts of things. It's It you, just needs to be done. And you can, hopefully... have, you can have Jack Daniels and Nissan Altimas running around the Thunderdome, <laughs> yeah. which I'd only just realised that the three of us yes. <laughs> were part of that spectacular back in 2014. It was led by Mark Walker at the time, who was uh, the media manager for Jack Daniels Racing. 
at that time, I was the media manager for Nissan Motorsport. Uh, Walker came up with this harebrained idea and uh, Rick somehow agreed to it. I think the only complaint was from the fab shop at Nissan <laughs> yes. Motorsport after we absolutely tore the uh, living uh, bejesus out of a front bar. There's one more person who is not forgiven from that day, and it's Richard Crail for running me over <laughs> with my own car. You want the story? Please, please tell us about this. Well, Nackers here had the idea that he wanted to shoot the run from right at the very top of the, was it turn one, NASCAR one, I think yeah. it was, top of the banking, but then he climbed further up on top of the big hill there, so he got the vista overlooking it. So his smart idea to get up there was that, I drive his car to the top of the banking at turn one. It's pretty steep, Grant. It is. They're it's really, really, steep. Really, yeah, really steep. And when you're sitting there stopped in a Subaru Impreza road car <laughs> at the, next to the concrete wall, it's real steep and you feel like you're going to fall down. Two, concrete wall, a lot taller than you think it is. Yeah. You look at it from outside, it's, it's like a straight circuit wall. When you get up next to it, it's human height. So old mate clambers up. He just clambered up on the wheel, didn't you? And I was like, well, I'm out of here. So I got on it and I literally ran his foot over. So he clambered up onto the wall with a crippled foot that I promptly ran over because I was so keen to not be parked at a 35 degree banking or whatever it is at the top there. Um, rolling down the hill in Mark's Subaru. Richard, you ran me over. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I like, think I'm okay. I was like, sorry. Uh, it's all right. off. <laughs> but then... We, you know, we were all placed around the track, had this mud map drawn out, and it's like, you stand here, and you there, and you there. And Dirk, can you go up this end and get some photos, you know, around there? Yep, sweet. And then I'm watching back the footage. He's standing on the track. Yeah. He's on the inside of the wall. Oh, really? No joke. No. We can say the statute of limitations is up. I'm sure yes. the insurance, you know, it's a non-issue because Dirk lived. I was going to say, don't tell cams or motorsport australia but they don't i don't think there was very not sanctioned that place no. <laughs> there, there was no no insurance in place at all it was awesome it was a great day that was unofficially unofficially the fastest ever lap by an australian touring car in the history of the sport i think we worked it out didn't we it was about 215 k yeah, yeah. Did average we do, did we set up a dorian on one of those no series? no you just no, got the time stamp off the video yeah very good. In terms of Very average good. speed, we blew Phillip Island out of the water. Can we uh, can we get a bit of a scorecard on the YouTube clips, the YouTube views that that got? I think it was about a one minute 45 clip. And I know Chris Jordan at the time was working for mm. the Nissan Motor Company and he said he wanted 100,000 views on that video. And I thought, oh, it's ambitious, but yeah. maybe it could be good. And it was a great video, Walker. It started with some really nice, uh, emotive, beautiful uh, Calder Park scenes and all the rusted out seats and the cracks in the ground and the the, uh, the well, light towers that don't work anymore. Well, earlier that morning, we got there quite early and we literally, myself and Richard, had to go and clean all the tumbleweeds, literal tumbleweeds off the track. <laughs> we did a track walk cleaning the Calder Park Thunder Day. And then... We were going around doing our track cleanup, and Dirk decided he'd do recce's the other way. And you got Dirk in a rental car coming at you at 200 k's an hour oh, on Oscar, a racetrack. Oscar style. He, he was Oscar. We were NASCAR, and oh, it was no. that was the scariest moment of my life. Richard, you just did some YouTube clips. How many? How many? Oh, views? look, it, it, the original posting had about twenty two thousand, but it's been reshared a couple of times since then. It's, it's all over the place. And it was yeah. on Facebook as well, and so it went viral on Facebook. It's done. So heaps. can we finally just tell? 
Chris Jordan. I absolutely we, we've, we've who's got now a Porsche. That's right. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't really care. Yeah, it's, it's definitely hit his KPI. I just I remember he'd said, I want this to have a hundred thousand views, and yeah. I thought, oh god, we're gonna have to work real hard at this thing. <laughs> but we did get great mileage out of it, Mark. Money. It was a brilliant uh, it was a brilliant plan. It was really well executed and um, with such as the support of at the time Nissan Motorsport and now Kelly Racing or Kelly Grove or Grove Racing, whatever they're called this mm. week. Um, but uh, all those guys were really into it. Uh, and we know that Rick Rick absolutely loved it. It was a really good day. And Rick had opportunities to go over to do NASCAR. That's why he was absolute red hot keen about it because I said to him when he rolled up to the track, let's go do a recce so you're not just blasting out there blind. And it's like, are you doing this Oscar or NASCAR? And he's got NASCAR. He's just turned hard left out of the pit gate in the um, in the uh, patrol. And I have a feeling the patrol might have been quicker than the supercar. Yeah, we didn't bottom out. <laughs> yeah, she was scraping a fair bit. Uh, okay, well, that was, uh, we've spoken about stuff that happened last week. We've spoken about stuff that happened eight years ago. Now let's talk about something that's coming up this weekend and we'll be really brief. The High Tech Oils Bathurst 6 Hour is on this weekend. It is Production Car Racing's Night of Nights. Richard Crail and I've uh, somehow lost the boys here. They've, uh, I'm all right. I'm still here. They're, they're falling into a uh, some sort of race talk little little huddle. But, uh, Richard, you're going to lead the call. It's part of the Speed Series. It's on stand sport. What can we expect in this motor race? Six hours around... Mount Panorama. Oh, look, I think it's going to be a really interesting race. Grant, it is every year. It's a race that has a lot of different storylines with the various classes as the race plays out. There's some good names, lots of supercar drivers coming this weekend. So Nick Perkat, uh, a last-minute fill-in for SVG, who's out with the spicy cough, unfortunately. We wish him all the best. Uh, Anton Di Pasquale is in the field. Will Davison, as I said, Tim Slade. Um Will Brown, a bunch of others. So Tony Dalberto. Tony Dalberto. I was whoever, getting there. I was whoever, getting there. Whoever that bloke is anyway. With Dwayne West. Yeah, MIA today. Call us in to fill in. That's a worry. Um, although I feel honoured filling in for a Bathurst podium finisher. I think that's a feather in our cap. Um, you are just ticking boxes this week, thank you. Richard. Uh, I try. It's... Um, Oh, look, it's a great race. It's it's Bathurst old school. It's a great race. It, it's a great race. Oh, okay. It's Bathurst old school. It's how it used to be. It's it's drive your car to the racetrack, go and race, and then punt at home. So it's a really, really enjoyable show. Um, really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the supports as well with um, Super Cheap Auto, TCR, which has been blockbuster this season, hasn't it? The mm. racing's been superb. And Trans Am, which is one of my new favourite categories, so I love calling that stuff. It's just proper, pure... Really entertaining motorsport. I saw Molly Taylor uh, had a little stand sport social media piece, and she'd mm. said in there that this is the class that I want to race. We, in. we need to make that happen somehow. Mm. I, Trans Am's not that expensive, but surely the commercial gurus can find a backer to fund that and put Molly in a car for a round. She because has I, a very exclusive deal with Subaru, so until yeah, there's I know. an Impreza well, Trans Am, we could do an Impreza body kit for it, but like. I don't know if you watched Nathan Hearn's lap at Phillip Island that he talked through for the yeah. broadcast, and 90% of it was with opposite lock. Mm. So it strikes me that something Molly would be unbelievably good at because she's quite good at that stuff. Such a, such a shame that we're not going to see SVG in yeah. one of those cars, mm. especially at this track as well. Uh, you can only imagine that he would have gone and practiced P3 in the first session and yeah. then been on top for the rest of the weekend. Yeah. But hopefully we'll get to see him come back. Of course, none of this was actually officially confirmed. 
but if, but it it was uh, it, it was, was effectively happen. going to happen. Yeah. But uh, circumstances have led to SVG not being able to take part in the race in Tim Shaw's uh, Chev Camara. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, look, it's a uh, it is a great class. Walker, you're here for a number of duties. Some of which means uh, doing more laps of racetracks. This is the biggest one that we have in Australia, other than if the Bend ever decide to run a full course uh, seven point seven km thing. I have no interest in that at all. <laughs> what's your What's uh, you're here as part of race talk? You've uh, I'm sure you've got uh, plenty going on. What's your duties this weekend? Yes, theracetalk.com. Also helping out uh, B Pros Toyota eighty six with uh, Brett Ty- Parrish in the six hour tire changing. I, I absolutely hope not. <laughs> that would be an absolute shambles. No, thank you. I've done. I've actually done the Waterboy duties on the 12 hour and been car controller. That's easy. You don't have to do anything. You stop. You can go now. Yeah. That's easy. Perfect. But uh, no, they've got plenty of uh, very competent people there helping them out. I like the six hour. It's the right length. The, the 12 hour is such a drag. I don't want to knock the 12 hour. I mean, we've got people here in the room who are quite <laughs> fond of that event, but... The, the six hour is the right length for these cars and um, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. A great mix of cars. There's new cars in the mix there that have never uh, campaigned against some of the tried and tested machinery. So it'll be interesting to see how a Lexus st- stacks up and all these other cars stack up. I thought BMW just win anyway. I thought that was the guy. Well, yeah, but yeah. We'll, we'll, they've got to do it. Remember back to like 07 when they wheeled out the... BMW 335i in the 12 hour and it just went out there and donged them and it was pretty much stock standard mm. and that car the best it ever ran was when it was stock standard mm. like some of these things you go and play with them too much and they don't necessarily want to behave but by the same token they're production cars and things go wrong and there's anything can happen we saw Berry Clinton a few years ago the wheels literally fell off the car so it's that sort of event where nothing is a given well like we've lost arguably the highest profile entry of the lot in the, the lead up to the week, the, the Mediki Ambrose Mustang, because the car, um, and that news should be out if I'm doing my job properly before this podcast goes live, mm. um, because the car developed, they had it sorted. The thing was hooked up, ready to go, but they found a strange electronic problem in it. And, and George Mediki called it a ghost in the system that they could not trace, but it put the thing in limp mode. And he said, fine at Winton when you're testing, no problems. But if your car goes into limp mode at 200 k's an hour at McPhillamy Park, you're having a big crash. You're either going to have the crash or the guy behind you that drills you is going to have the crash. So he had to he had to withdraw the car from on safety grounds. So, but it, that's, it's such a production car thing. They're so hard to get these things right to deal with the rigors of motor racing these days. And the other thing too is that they're not necessarily pro teams. There's a lot of good people in the pit lane, but they're not necessarily all drilled with the pit stop protocols and there's special rules for the races. Like you've got to get all your kit across the red line. And we've seen teams pinged in the past for leaving uh, a sign out in the pits or a bit of the jack leaning over the line. They'll lose a race. So... It, there's a lot of cogs in play here and there's certain rules with the driver times and the various things with the different classes that all sort of balance out and there'll be safety cars. There's a massive field. There's going to have to be safety cars and that's all going to play into the mix. Oh, well, we look forward to it. Uh, we've got the 6L, we've got TCR, we've got Trans Am and there's a whole host of other uh, local type supports. I don't. I wouldn't want to say local. It's not like the 
the Bathurst sedans <laughs> are, uh, are competing. But Historic um, touring cars, Group N cars. So Gary O'Brien will be delighted with that. Uh, <laughs> Nissan Pulsars make their Bathurst debut. That's going to be particularly interesting, I think. Surely they're sick. That's a, that's a real New South Wales-centric. Very. It is. Uh, so they would have done most of their racing at either Sydney Motorsport Park or Wakefield, Wakefield. Park. And then once they've done those two, they just repeat the, repeat yeah. the process. Yeah. So, so that's cool that they get to do this. Yeah, it is. Yep. That's and this event has always done that. And the six hour evolved out of the New South Wales production touring car guys rocking up en masse every year and going, Hey, we wouldn't mind a longer race. So it grew organically out of that. Cool. Well, well, we look forward to it. Of course, Richard, we're gonna hear your fabulous voice on the Stan Sport coverage uh, as part of the speed series. This is the Bathurst the High Tech Oils Bathurst Six Hour. Let's make sure all of the sponsors get all of the value from their commercial inputs. Uh, the boys from the Race Talk, uh, Richard Crowell and Mark Walker, thank you so much for joining in, filling in for Tony D, who's just having the day off. That's fair. Uh, and um, he deserves it. He works hard. He does. He does. He does. Um, like he probably doesn't work as hard as what he. Likes to believe uh, that's, that. We that's, do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's all right. We'll try and get him back on next week after it. Hopefully he's still leading the series because, mm. God, I don't want to listen to him if he's not <laughs> leading that series. Anyway, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for uh, joining us. You'll hear from Mark Fogarty on Parked Up Plus Monday about 5 p.m. as I'm making my way back from the mountain after a, what will no doubt be a successful event up here. It's the Bathurst Six Hour. And, uh, boys... Thanks for joining us. Have a good weekend. You've just listened to another Network R production. 